it's Sarah here and welcome to Served With Love, a podcast with a mission to elevate and celebrate depth through conversations, theme chats, Q&As and more. I'm keen to give your depth and my depth a powerful platform to jam all in the service of love. Thank you for being here today and thank you for being served with love. with love. Thanks for joining me again. This is another episode with just my voice. Uh, I have been uh, requested to continue talking about my journey. I've had a lot of feedback in that it's been beneficial to hear it. Um, And whilst I have admitted that it's not comfortable to express my story because it's not part of who I am in terms of um, broadcasting myself I have heard that people have really received benefit from it so I will continue to show up to do so with that in mind with always that in mind in sharing wisdom to to benefit others and I think that's um, part of storytelling part of metaphor part of um, of how we evolve in life so here I am showing off again. But if you are a client of mine and you would love to riff with me on something deep within your heart to have a conversation on this podcast, please reach out to me. There's a few of you that I have in mind and I'm just waiting to see if that lands. So please um, send me a message if having a conversation on this platform about something close to your heart would, uh, would be of benefit to the wider community. I'd love to have you here. So when I put the request out on what exactly you would like me to frame my continued uh, sharing of my story around, I had a wonderful request and that was the tip, the top tips learnt so far on my journey. And I thought that was a wonderful invitation for me to really sit with the top tips. And so I got out my little Word document and typed just like um, dot points And there so happens to be 10 dot points that I've come to with these top tips. So I guess um, to make it all nice for marketing's sake, this is 10 top tips learned on my journey so far. And I only have the dot points in front of me, so I am unsure of where these dot points will lead us to, what will open up from them. I might even look at them and not be able to recall as to why I put them down on the paper in the first place, but we will see what comes from them. I had another question and that was what was the catalyst for my growth? What was the catalyst for my spiritual awakening? That's a deep one. That's um, that's a big uh, can opener there. But I have alluded to a little bit of it in, in past conversations and I may get more specific with that response to that question. So thank you for sharing with me your requests and your feedback for the benefit of these conversations. I trust that they will continue to support in some way, shape or form. So here are my top tip, top 10. Let's start again. Here are my 10 top tips learnt on the journey so far. And they're in no particular order. So if my exploration of these tips moves in and out in a non-linear fashion, that's just how it is. I haven't bothered to organise it in some my, – my brain wants to. My brain wants to organise these tips into linear order and 
like chronological order and how they like I've really wanted to systemize this but um I'm not I'm gonna let the the words come just in the same rhythm that I type them down so uh, the first tip that I've learnt is that there is only now <laughs> I used to be so caught up in my past and so caught up in my baggage and so uh, ashamed and so um, identified by it that I felt that my whole expression was only a reflection of the things I've done wrong and the things that I have been labelled with and um, the unhooking and the freedom to come back to the awareness that there is only now um, and that's not a concept that <laughs> none of you already haven't been aware of but uh, literally in the process of settling into safety there's a cognition that this is all there is and it's such a it's like going against the grain like I can really feel that kind of retrograde feeling of just standing still while the world wants to move forward with this anxiety and this you know past future dimension this fast past future um emphasis whereas going against the like it really is hard it's like swimming upstream to stay only in the now and it's a practice yet yeah, my practice to be in the now has never come through the form of meditation it's come through the form of breaking up with things unhooking like removing myself off the conveyor belt that put me in that natural progression and wave of future orientation and future orientation is a construct of society dogma and social conditioning that we talked about in a previous podcast if you are asleep, you will be on that conveyor belt and you will be oriented towards what's next, what I have to do, who's the type of person I need to be, where do I have to go, what I have to build. Um, and the movement towards that future can only be reflective of where you've gotten to so far. So there's an element of past, like past is an ingredient in the creation of your future when you're in that mindset versus being able to be here in the now and recognising that um, – you know, I heard this term and I think it's super powerful that the present moment is integrated history, that you are standing upon layer and layer and file and file that is integrated and ordered to be able to go, this is now. And I think when we're torn in that past-future dimensionality is when we have those unresolved questions in our mind and they can only be a reflection of a comparison, a judgment, a way of being that we're meant to live up to. So for me coming into the now is an unhooking process it's not a forced process of if I meditate and if I work on my presence no you can do wonderful things like connecting into your body and your sensory awareness to bring you into the present moment that is that is like a, a process to arrive in what we call the present moment but to really be able to live in the present moment to sustain that concept of trusting that there is only now um, it means reducing the noise that pulls you ever so slyly and corruptly into anything other than what is here so it's really a muscle building process versus a, um, a hacking process mm. top tip number two truth is everything Truth is everything. The success, uh, abundance, um, relationships, 
aesthetics, whatever it is that we value in society is only ever real from the lens of our truth. Truth and fear, truth and anxiety can't dance in the same room together. They are opposites. So any time that we are not in our truth, so for example, if we've got a mask on, if we're conforming to a set of belief systems, if we're towing the line and walking blindly through life, our experience is a complete illusion. It's not real because it's going to be um, a group of it's going to be a, a, I keep wanting to use the word construct, but it's the best word that I can use. It's a construct of your past. It's a construct of your unintegrated past. Uh, and again, it's pulling you into a false sense of reality. It's distortion. It's illusion. So the process of recognizing truth is uh, where life is at, where reality is at. To arrive at a place of truth means that you can access the functionality of your prefrontal cortex because it's from that lens of your neurology that you can see truth in the world, that you can recognise facts, that you can feel clear in how you're experiencing the world, that you can access compassion, that you can feel somewhat in control of your reality from the place of reality. It's also from that place of truth, from that place of the prefrontal cortex that we can access divinity, we can access support, we can access um, the magic and the mystery uh, and the paradox of our world. So that concept of truth, and this is why I love it so much, is it walks the ridge between science and spirituality. And that's my passion, as you know, like bridging the Eastern and the Western, bridging the old and new, dancing with one foot in either realm is what the nature of my work is. And so truth can be expressed like I have through the lens of the prefrontal cortex, and I call that the adult brain, the capacity to really connect into a neurological system that is pruned from any dogma, any masking, any protective adaptations And we have to allow life to meet our neurology, to meet our human from the place of truth and the real sensory inputs. Uh, And, and, you know, I could go deep into a rabbit hole of explaining (laughs) that concept of the prefrontal cortex and consciousness and the thalamus and some really juicy science stuff. Um, But truth is is also contextualised and and expressed and... um, I was going to say sold, gosh, um, uh, really, what's the word, delivered to us by the lens of spirituality in terms of truth being our path to enlightenment and truth being the emptying, the coming home, the surrendering and all the sorts of processes, the religions, uh, the philosophies, the teachings that get us there. You know, that's ancient. So we're all pointing to the same thing, but the words can be, the language that we use can be through the modern lens of science as well as the the ancient lens of spirituality, but we're all heading in the one direction. We're all heading uh, home in that remembering process. So truth is everything. There's nothing else that exists and that's our direction. That's why we're here. That's why we're here to return to that point. So top tip number three 
no person, no modality, no label, no diagnosis, no external distraction will heal you. But everything you come across as a teacher. So those concepts that I've said, people, modalities, relationships, labels, diagnosis, distractions, they will always point us, orient us to home, to our truth. But they'll never be anything that heals us. They'll never be anything that is the magic pill uh, or the magic process or the magic person that will be what awakens us. It has to be laboured through our human suit. That's the whole purpose of us dropping down into this physical dense body is that we must walk through, come up against the different challenges. Uh, And I think recognising that we ourselves are the ones that take us home And then we can open up safely to the stepping stones that take us there. I know for me, when I retrospectively look back upon my journey and how I uh, am at this point, because I've still a long way to go, uh, there's nothing that sticks out as being the healing thing, the thing that I did and everything changed. I think that's a fallacy and I wouldn't trust people who do proclaim that. Uh, I think we can have dark nights of the soul and some people are lucky enough to have, you know, those um, immediate enlightenment moments. You know, Eckhart Tolle is one of them that speaks of that. Um, But most of us, it's a sequence of events that could never be predicted. And when looking back on it, the stepping stones are quite small. And that to the ego is so frustrating because the ego expects the stepping stones to this enlightened journey to these big moments in time of when I went to Bali and did that and when I took the, the ayahuasca journey and, you know, it's they're really just small things and I think there's a false sense of security if we do uh, arrive, you know, at these processes, these journeys with that expectation and I know I, I communicate that a lot with my clients, uh, manage the expectation around this being pointers and orientations to you always being in the power seat. I would never put myself in the power seat of your journey. I am a privileged co, you know, co-pilot. Um, and what a, what a bloody honour that is to really hold your hand. I'm beside you. I'm never in front of you, over you, even though I stand over you when you're in the, uh, on the table. But it's, um, it's that privilege of being the co-pilot because I've had the journey that you know, I've seen and I've got disappointed because I haven't got the results that I wanted to from some process or my expectations weren't met. But gosh, unhooking from that expectation that everything is a teacher rather than a healer, um, gosh, creates so much liberation and space in your field to, oops, bump up to that. Oh, wow, that's interesting and come up. Like you're such a blank canvas to have these teachings arrive versus seeking them out. Um, and that's that's been a big a big realisation and powerful process to recognise. And I do emphasise that for people who cross my path in my work. Top tip four, resistance is a red flag. Uh, resistance can come in the most menial of ways, like a speeding ticket, uh, someone scratching a car, um, tripping over and spraining your ankle, you know, like doors closing. I have had this recently in trying to get to the bottom of some health things for me and just continually getting doors closed in the medical world. I mean, I know that, I expect that, but you sometimes have hope that there's, you know, some kind of answer and some kind of process from the medical world. Um, 
But in my instance, when I come up against resistance or doors closing, uh, I know that I'm on the wrong path. And if I look back to my stuck point, and a lot of clients can relate to this because I pointed out to them when I, when we sense it, this stuck point, this, this in-between stage of being awake and being really aware and, and most of the time having a, a really good intellectualization, a conceptualization of the process and where they want to go and they've read all the books and they're feeling it. Uh, and they're in that in-between of the knowledge of it and the embodiment of it. And that's deeply uncomfortable, but it's in that discomfort that the invitation to um, balance our nervous system, the invitation to clear out our filing cabinet, our limbic brain, to integrate um, old stories so that we can have that integrated history of the present moment. You know, that discomfort is necessary in the journey, but it's usually in that discomfort when we're trying to find our way and it's really dark and you know, we're bumping into things. It's like being in the trenches with a blindfold on. It's really difficult, but we know we've got to move and we're choosing to move. It's in that space that we can come up with these levels of resistance. And again, they can be those like weird things like, you know, parking fines and tripping over or doors closing. Uh, and that's a little, a little sign. Sometimes it can be a big loud sign that um, we're not where we meant to be. So I had that period of time um really strongly when I was living in Kuala Lumpur when I was living overseas and uh was coming up a lot of against a lot of resistance like just little things like you know someone like I've never had car accidents but someone rear-ended me and um you know a little while later a person you know leaned their bike up against my car in a shopping center and I got a big scratch like things that just irritate and frustrate and and they were happening with such force these little things that I was like in my head, the story wanted to be, girl, what's, you know, what's, why, like, it's not fair, life shit. Why is this always happening to me? You know, those stories. Um, and it was because I was hanging on to a story that I'd outgrown. And that resistance is just a sign that you're, you're really wanting, you're really wanting to hang into this world that is just not healthy for you. Um, and it's only in retrospect that I can see that those signs of resistance were pointing me in a different direction, but I wasn't yet brave enough, equipped enough, or have the capacity or belief or backing in myself to take any other, any other path, any other leap. Um, so I, you know, waited it out, but that's probably a top tip to recognize where there is resistance, where there's frustration, where you're getting irritated, where there's blocks, where there's doors closing, um, wrong way, go back, wrong way, go forward. Let's change that sign. Um, number five, being comfortable with loneliness is a gateway to connection. So I, and I think I might tap into this a little bit when I get into my catalyst of growth discussion, but, um, dancing in the wilderness. And I think I mentioned this in a previous uh, podcast too, um, being comfortable in the wilderness, being pushed out. And sometimes that's a choice. Sometimes that's a forced uh, place to be where there isn't someone to reach out to or there isn't a person who's going to give you the answers that you're looking for or give you the balm that you need for your wounds and scars and sometimes that can be tangibly like literally no one to talk to or sometimes it can just feel that way uh, that the people around you just aren't the people that you're going to be able to lean upon with the depth of your heart and again that's a sign that because it's not 
for them to receive and hold you in that space. Uh, sometimes the answer cannot come from a new, another human, nor can you outsource what you're thinking you need. And therefore the wilderness is an enforced part of finding comfort in uh, the internal workings and processings versus the external validation or even offloading um, and sharing what you're moving through. Sometimes there's strength in being able to carry it yourself. Um, and there's lots of beliefs that that say otherwise, but you can find true belonging in your loneliness. Um, I've got there that it's a gateway to connection. First, that loneliness and that sense of belonging that you find beyond the noise of the outside world offers you a connection to self that nothing else will offer. Like, you can't get to that level of connection and belonging within self without feeling brave enough to navigate the wilderness as painful as it is and as non-natural because, you know, we're symbiotic beings that are designed to have a connection with other in this world and people will always explore that, you know, like um, there's a, what's that saying? We connect in community or we heal in community and things like that. Yes, but um, I don't think we should miss this important learning this important keystone of our own development because we need to be able to have that capacity to lean on ourselves so that we can feel powerful in in connection so being comfortable with loneliness is a gateway to connection first with self and then with being able to find that connection with others from a solid base top tip number six your cv doesn't matter (laughs) I love when we get to this point where we recognise that what we have achieved is no longer relevant to how we impact and leave our legacy on the world. Um, That is liberating. I started to feel that when I turned 40, particularly, you know, and CV, when I'm saying CV, yes, it is like a literal CV with your job experience, but CV also with all of your stats and that you've, you've, you know, walked through and achieved and how many mountains you've climbed and all that sort of stuff. Um, You start unhooking, I started unhooking around the age of 40, but then when you recognise that you are more than your archetypes, you're more than your belief systems, and this is the process that happens in Chakra 10. Um, I don't know if I've talked to you guys around the chakras, but uh, that recognition that we are more than our wounds and our scars and our samskaras, we can, oh yeah, I mentioned it in Rachel um, Williamson's podcast about worth, the chakra 10 idea of breaking up with those beliefs and archetypes. That's when we really can settle back in trusting who we are underneath that armoring. And that's the whole coming home process. That's the uh, the evolution, the, the heading back to our oneness, our truth. And it, that's when you can just let go of your CV. You're like, I don't need any of that. None of that matters. I might hold on to my name because that has, is a powerful energetic identifier. But everything up until this point, it's a little bit like that integrated history process. There's, a, you know, the idea that there is only now. It's so cool that you can feel safe to walk around quite naked and raw in your expression of self because none of that needs to inhibit your expression. And that is liberating. There is nothingness there. There is just you. 
and maybe your name. That's that I am consciousness and letting go, liberating from those uh, armors and archetypes is where freedom exists. So your CV doesn't matter. And I think the more you come into your place of truth, also you can break up with those key kind of societal identifiers that I mentioned at the start, like abundance, you know, job, aesthetics, all those things that we think we're chasing. You know, I've, I haven't dyed my hair in a few years and I'm happy letting my greys come out because I know that my grey hair has nothing to do with the way that I can connect and share and live my life in its full expression. Um, you break up with that need to uh, meet certain certain um, expectations and standards, you know. Obviously, I always want to present myself well, but I'm not hooked up in how I look being um, an exchange of what I can give. So that's a really nice place to be. There's no archetypes or beliefs that I have to be this or do that. Being me is enough and I'm lucky enough to have landed in my purpose, in which case there's evidence on the daily that I don't need to be identified with anything beyond how I show up in my presence. And I, that's my hope for everyone. That's, uh, that's, you know, yes, I said that I am holding your hand standing beside you, but sometimes I will give that hand a little bit of a, a nudge and pull along because, um, there is so much goodness in letting go of your CV. Uh, next one, I can't remember what number we're up to now. I think it's seven. Uh, top tip, sunshine. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I have fair skin. I have freckly skin. But uh, a dose of daily sunshine has really changed my world. I've probably been doing that now for a couple of years. I'm lucky enough to have a balcony where I can sit in the morning that has sun and uh, lucky enough to live in Queensland where it is mainly sunny. Uh, even in winter, I will sit out there and get sun on my skin. Uh, obviously, there's a whole lot of science around the, the um, benefit of sun. Uh, having been a PE teacher and schooled in the 80s around slip, slop, slap, I grew up with the fear of sun issues and having fair skin, I'm very aware of that. And my family has, you know, history of, of melanoma and skin cancer. So I'm obviously very careful, but I allow my body to have that daily dose of morning sunshine without any sunscreen or sunglasses. And it has really balanced me out, I think, probably because of the circadian rhythms and all the science behind it and the physiological aspects. But there's something spiritual about it as well. So top tip, not uh, accessible for everyone, sunshine, but if you can... Get a part of your body or your eyes onto some sunshine every day. Uh, I think that's a super, super benefit. Uh, number eight, uh, top tip is a recognition that the body is just as much electric as it is chemical. And that energy medicine, obviously, I'm talking to the converted here. Or maybe not. Um, but uh, energy medicine is hugely relevant because our body is electric just as much as it is biochemical uh, and balancing both of those out is pertinent and uh, beneficial to you feeling like a balanced human being carrying this energetic network. I'm not going to say more on that um, but just acknowledging the electrical nature of your being so that's why acupuncture and energy work and is so um 
so powerful in supporting your physiology. And yes, it's easy to make sense of pain and different sensations and injuries and things that we feel and digestive upsets that then invite us to seek support and help. But don't underestimate the electrical side of all of that. And just like Einstein said, energy precedes matter. We must not underestimate the power of balancing the electrical aspects of our circuitry as well, even from more of a preventative, prolactive, prophylactic point of view. Uh, so make sure you're supporting yourself electrically, energetically, in however that works for you. Number nine, empathy is part of the pain neurological pathways. This is me geeking out here, but I couldn't help it. Um, so we have a neurological pathway, the expression of pain in our body. It's um, a survival expression there is a purpose evolutionary for us to feel pain maybe that um, makes us run in a different direction or fall down or seek refuge whatever that evolutionary process is of why we feel pain um, is hugely important to our system now the same neurological pathway that runs pain is also called the panic pathway panic pain pathway also shows up in our emotional expression as punishment or condemnation, sadness, grief, depression. So pain, panic, punishment, sadness, grief, depression all run the same neurological path through the same nuclei, looking at the same neurotransmitters in the expression of those six kind of emotions that I've just mentioned there. That pathway of pain, panic, sadness is also where we grow the capacity of empathy, empathy that allows connection and bonding and understanding and inclusivity and all of those processes. And if I think about those six emotions that run across the pain panic pathway, uh, I can see that I've danced very strongly in all of those. And because it is the developer of empathy, it also makes sense as to why that is now an asset in my work. Empathy in that pain panic pathway would have been part of my ability to be hypervigilant to others' needs and therefore, you know, ignite that freeze response to make sure that I'm not eaten alive um, and, you know, find and be of value in the world. Um, so that's now integrated so that it becomes a component of me that is beneficial to my work and my service. But it also lets you know that if you have that natural expression to default to that pain panic pathway, your worth, your value, your empathy is tied up in um, finding that in the external validation sense. So let me word that a little bit better because that was a terrible way of explaining it. If you've seen dominance of this expression of your neurology in the pain, panic, sadness, grief, depression pathways, you are an empathetic being. If we can't change that, we can't change the hugeness of your heart and your capacity to connect. But if you are using that huge heart and that empathy to find value, to find validation, to be of worth in your external environment, you will run that pain panic pathway in a way that is unsustainable, exhausting and detrimental. 
you are you. We can't change that huge heart and that level of empathy. But through what I've just mentioned above, your CV doesn't matter, letting go of those archetypes, I don't need to be that people pleaser, that caregiver, you can then be that natural expression of that huge heart and sharing your empathy in a way that becomes sustainable and nourishing because it's not connecting to, connected to need to be validated. Then you'll give up the punishment, the condemnation that comes with, oh, I didn't do a good job enough there. They haven't, you know, I don't know if I was of value. Maybe they're going to, you know, not want me back. So it comes in this whole rejection um, principle too. If you're able to break up with that um, connection to needing validation to your natural big heart, then that is uh, empathy where it's of service and you can let go of that pain story, that panic story. And that whole point of the rejection concept in there is that it, if I was to balance someone around their um, separation anxiety, this would be the pathway that would balance. So it comes into this whole rejection sensitivity too. So that was important for me to learn that I ran those neurological pathways in, in a dysregulated state and my empathy was really being churned up by others and utilised for what well, was always given in the right intention but created an exhaustion and a, a very unwell state for me versus now being able to really, well, I can't change who I am. And that's, you know, that's full circle, isn't it? It's like I am me. I can't change who I am. I can't change that I show up and want to help and, and love, but now I can do it in a way that doesn't become, uh, doesn't come as a detriment to me. And that was a doozy but hope that makes sense in some kind of way. Uh, empathy is part of the pain neurological pathways. So uh, if you recognise that you're running that pathway, um, question your expression of your huge heart for good, not detriment. And the final top tip uh, that I've learned on the journey so far is willingness. There needs to be a willingness. There needs to be a willingness to show up to... Um, push to see pain to triumph there needs to be a willingness you need to show up with commitment you can't just show up half-hearted um, certainly from an outsider perspective looking at how clients show up the clients that are willing have obviously the best um, success you know they're willing they're showing up with the desire they can um, willingly see their blocks they can willingly admit to pain they can willingly show up even in the discomfort um, that's not an easy thing to do and sometimes it's not a natural state particularly in we're in that survival orientation but sometimes we get to a point where willingness is survival you know I, I can't there's nothing else to do I must show up willing uh, and that requires us to let go some of that victim mindset and stepping into that adult agency capacity to be willing so be willing, be willing, be willing to fall, be willing to fail, be willing to have egg on face, be willing to have those aha moments, be willing to um, move through the weeds of every single emotion that you might have tried to sidestep in the past, whether that be shame, guilt, whatever it be, like be willing to let it come home to belong. You know, all of those emotions are just wanting to come home, to sit at the feet of their gorgeous master and uh, find comfort there. They're just wanting to come home and that's that concept of integrated history so that all of our layers uh, are where they need to be, the shame's where it needs to be, it's all underneath us and then we can sit comfortably on the top in the now moment. So that brings us back to the very first one, there is only now. So they're my 10 top tips. I wonder what that's incited 
for you or what that has made you um, reflect upon 